You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm speaking with James Rollins and James Clemens. Thank you for joining me, James. Thanks for having me. Your very first novel was very intriguing to me because I'm a big fan of underground monster literature from the Deros. Are, are you familiar with the Deros? Oh, it, it's a whole underground race of, that raises robots and sends out vibrations from the old days of Amazing Magazine. So tell me a little bit about why you chose to start your career underground. Well, uh, uh, one of my hobbies was caving. You know, they, they write, they have that old, ad, that old uh, you know, adage, write what you know. And I was a veterinarian, and my clients used to always ask me, why, why aren't you writing a next James Harriet novel? You know, you're a veterinarian. Why are you writing these crazy stories? And my answer was, well, you know, not enough people die in those James Harriet stories. You know, I want murder and mayhem. And, you know, the fact that I love caving, you know, I wanted to you know, have an adventure in a cave. You know, then, so I basically the, my plot for that entire novel was I'm going to take five characters, drop them two miles underneath the earth, throw in some monsters, and shake. You know, based upon that detailed outline, I began the novel. Well, now, I, I really like this uh, idea of uh, the, the underground monsters. And you wrote a few more underground kind of thrillers, didn't you? Yes, I did. Uh, matter of fact, my editor used to say, you know, you're not going underground this time, are you? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I wrote Excavation, which by the title you, you can imagine probably had some part of the story underground, which it did. And uh, then Deep Fathom was my third novel, which was my other passion was I was just starting to do scuba diving when I moved to the West Coast. Uh, you know, I grew up in the Midwest, which was big caving country. But not such good caving out here in the West Coast, so I picked up scuba diving. So Deep Fathom became my, my scuba diving adventure, adventure novel. So basically all my hobbies end up in the books. Now, your books have a kind of an interesting combination of uh, like science fictional themes, but with uh, set in the current day with uh, real you know, strong driving thriller elements. Could you talk about weaving those science fictional themes into a uh, thriller? Well, I've always loved writing, you know, reading science fiction. I grew up reading science fiction. Re- grew up reading the old pulp novels, and uh, basically, I'm just uh, sort of reimagining a lot of the uh, those old pulp novels. Uh, you know, you could take Subterranean as sort of a modern take on uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth, and uh, my novel Deep Fathom is uh, uh, a little bit uh, takes place in the same place that uh, uh, the Moon Pool by uh, uh, a Merritt uh, takes place in, which is Nan Madal, which is a ruin set in the South Pacific. So, uh, you know, basically, you know, revisiting a lot of these old pulp, pulp ideas and just sort of putting a modern spin on them. Now, tell us about your career as a fantasy writer. I, I, I loved your uh, story about meeting Terry Brooks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I'd spent a long time trying to sell my first novel and got a lot of rejections, uh, literally 50 of them. It was my 50th uh, agent who finally agreed to represent Subterranean, that first novel. So, and so it was a process finding that agent, and during that process I thought, well, maybe I'm not a thriller writer, maybe I'm a fantasy writer, because I, I read across a wide gamut of genres, uh, mostly science fiction, fantasy, and horror. And so I thought I'd tackle, tackle a fantasy novel. So I was working on that and decided to submit that to a, a writing contest, and uh, I met Terry Brooks at the writing contest, and he was one of the judges, and uh, based upon his, uh, basically, uh, hand up, he introduced me to his editor, and ended up with a three-book contract with Del Rey. 
Now, uh, you were you're writing a fan, you were writing a fantasy series. Tell us about creating a fantasy series when you started the book. I, I love the beginning of the book, by the way. It had a really great uh, uh, tone, kind of that kind of ac- faux academic tone. I think this really gives a, a different ring for fantasy. Tell us about creating a series. Well, when I, I basically wanted to do a series that was sort of a cross between uh, J.R. Tolkien and, and Stephen King. Uh, you know, I want to take this fantasy a little bit darker than I had been reading it before. And at the time, uh, most of the fa- typical fantasy series were the, the young farm boy who finds the magical, you know, sword, magical ring, magical beanie. Uh, so I thought, well, what if, you know, what if it was the opposite? What if it was a girl, a farm girl who happens to find this power? And what if magic was forbidden to women? And she should happen to, you know, find you know, this, this MacGuffin, this is this odd little object that's going to give her this power. What might happen? How would that society view a woman bearing magical powers versus the society that was mostly just a male-born type of uh, magic? And so that was the, the gist of starting that series. And being fantasy, uh, my thrillers are sort of staccato-paced, very fast-paced. And, and what I like about writing fantasy, and I sort of alternate between the two of them, is fantasy and your world-building. So you, know, you get to really expand the story. You get to look in the past, look in the future, look in the present. And uh, I just could not do that in, in a matter of a single novel. So it had to be a series. And when I sold that first three books, I thought it was going to be that was it. It was going to be a trilogy. Uh, ended up being five books. I couldn't quite even fit it in three books. Sort of realization, but halfway through the series, I'm not going to get this done in three books. <laughs> now, uh, your latest series is uh, the Sigma Force theory- series. Tell us about uh, creating that. It sounds like you wanted it to be a standalone, didn't you? Well, I was doing a series in the fantasy, and 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 I preferred generally just creating these wild adventures in different locations, and and I always had a problem with the ongoing adventure hero in a, in a series. Um, it, what, it's what I call the murder she wrote syndrome, where Jessica Fletcher every single week, you know, runs into a murder. Uh, you know that generally doesn't happen. So you have a, you know, there's a certain suspension of disbelief that begins to wear thin. You know, if you live next to Jessica Fletcher, you know you're either going to be murdered or you're going to be accused of murder. So I just had a problem having this one character constantly running into problems. So I was writing my book Sandstorm as, a, as a, again, a standalone novel. And, and in that book, I introduced the Sigma series, Sigma Force. This is a group of uh, ex-Special Forces uh, soldiers who have been uh, drummed out of the service for various reasons and then, then retrained in scientific discipline because their IQs are very high. And they're basically working as sort of a, the, the physical force behind DARPA, the D- Defense Department's Research and Development Wing. And they're sent into the field to investigate technological dangers. And uh, I thought, well, I can base a series on a group rather than one person because now instead of having one person run into a constant problem the problem can be hitting the force from different many different directions so I thought well that was one way to dull that a little bit and so uh, when I created that series my editor goes you know I like these people especially you know can we see more of them and so it's like what are you asking me can we do a series around these people I knew you were going to ask me that (laughs) So I, th- you know, I thought about it for a while. I thought, yeah, I, could, I, could, I think I'd like to do that. I'd like to, I'd like to explore maybe a series with these people. Now, this series has an interesting combination, again, of science fiction elements and religious themes. T- tell me, that's not an, a usual combination. Well, it's not so much. I don't know if it's necessarily religion. It's, it's history. You know, I try to blend his- some historical elements, sometimes the mythology is not necessarily religion, but uh, different mythologies in different areas of the world, coupled with a bit of weird science, and then I just sort of clash those together and to create the invention- adventures. I'm always looking for... You know, pieces of history that end in a question mark, and I'm looking for you know, pieces of science that make me go, what if? You know, if I could find, and I basically have this idea box where if I'm reading Discover Magazine or Scientific American or National Geographic, anything that interests me ends up in, ends up in that box. 
Uh, it's not organized. It's messy. It's dirty. It's dusty. Probably somewhere at the bottom there's mice running around. I don't know. Uh, but I love that box. I love the, the pure chaos of that box. So basically what I do is once a month I dump it out and I just cull through it to find out things that no longer interest me or, the, or that feel stale. But what happens in that pure random process is weird things end up next to each other, things I would never in my own head connect. But, I, you know, I'll put, pick up this and go, oh, well, look at this about autistic kids and, and look about this about, you know, weird plant life. Can I connect those two? Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And so I'm always looking for those, those weird little things that click together like that. That's a fascinating process. Now, once you have this click, could you talk about uh, putting together the novel? Do you outline it or just go right into it? Well, that horrible, horrible question. Do you, do, do you outline or not Not outline? I've been to many, you know, panels at conferences where they have that question of, you know, do you outline or don't you outline? And usually by the end of that conference, the table is in a fist fight because the non-outliners and the outliners don't even know who how to speak to each other. Um, I don't work from a solid outline. I basically know my beginning. I know my ending. I think you do have to know if you're, you're driving a big train where you're going to end up. And I know a few of the stopping spots in between, but I don't necessarily know how A connects to B connects to C. Because that's one of my joys of writing is to discover that. Um, if, I, if I know the story too well, and I've tried outlining stories before where I outline to a T, then I'm bored. I don't want to write it. I know the story. Why should I want to write it now? You know, to me, the joy of writing is that discovery of that path as I'm writing it. You know, the day I sit down where I don't know exactly what these characters are going to do, but as I write and I discover these wonderful things, that's where my thrill comes from. I've been speaking with James Rollins and James Clemens. Thank you for joining me, James. Thank you very much. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Thank you.